0: This hour of Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Tucson Federal Credit Union and the Volpe team at Nova Home Loans. Now back to Spears and Ali on 1490 AM, 94.9 HD Channel 4, ESPN Tucson.
1: Happy hump day. Welcome to Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson, 1490 AM, 94.9 HD Channel 4, ESPN Tucson.com, the ESPN Tucson mobile app. And uh, the Spears and Ali podcast, located wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe and comment today. We always appreciate that. And as always, a huge thank you to our sponsors, the Volpe team at Nova Home Loans and Tucson Federal Credit Union. Uh, Very excited for today's show. Uh, Only two hours because uh, we're going into the Phoenix Suns game tonight in Charlotte. And uh, it's a big one tonight, and we'll, we'll explain why here coming up. In uh, top three headlines. Uh, but even though we have a short show. Still jam packed with guests. At 325. I'm very excited to have. PGA Tour newbie. And Tucson native. Trevor Warbelow. Call into the show. Uh, he's been. You know. Over the last year. Playing on the PGA Tour. And you know. He's had the chance to. Play in tournaments. Like the Farmers Insurance Open. Play at Pebble Beach. Uh, just played in the Honda Classic. So. Uh, Trevor Werbelow, adjusting to life on the PGA Tour, and will, we'll check in with him on that. And also, I'm I'm curious to hear what his perspective is on that new docu series on Netflix called Full Swing. Uh, I actually I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think if you're a fan of golf, um, or even if you're you know semi interested, if you consider yourself a golf casual, I still think you'll really enjoy it because. Um, it has really compelling stories uh, you it was really interesting to see uh, a kind of a vulnerable side of guys like Brooks Kepka and of course they tie in the live golf dispute and all that. they kind of like sprinkle it in every single episode and it, it's a really cool and also an, another one uh, another reason why I really like the the full swing docu series is uh, they spend a couple of episodes. Highlighting the the grinders of the PGA tours, the guys who uh, are always consistently, you know, kind of finishing top seventy in the world, right? They're, they're not the the John Roms per se or the Colin Morikawas, but they're gonna be competing in every single tournament. So it's it's a really cool docuseries. series. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna ask Trevor about that and what he uh, took away from Full Swing coming up at 3:25, and then in the four o'clock hour. Uh, we're going to speak with Joe DeLeon. He's an NFL draft analyst from the uh, Believe Podcast Network, and uh, we spoke to a couple of the Believe Network guys, uh, Brandon Lang, the big uh, gambling expert, uh, but Joe is the the NFL draft guy for Believe, and yeah, there's a lot of uh, things going around the NFL draft, uh, including uh, Jalen Carter, the f- uh, former Georgia defensive lineman, uh, who's another uh, part of our top three headlines, which we'll d- discuss here. But you know, what's his future? And also, you know, with the NFL Draft Combine, you know, w- what's uh, what does Bryce Young need to do at the NFL Draft Combine? Because I've uh, I've heard that Bryce Young is uh, is shorter than, than listed on the on the Alabama roster. Like they listed him at five ten, but it's like a a very uh, fair five ten. And honestly, dude, I'm just getting. I'm getting Kyler Murray vibes right now from Bryce Young. However, I think Bryce Young is the best quarterback in the draft. Uh, If I were to choose any quarterback coming out of this year's draft, it's without a doubt uh, Bryce Young. I think C.J. Stroud's going to be a a, a good NFL quarterback, but I think when it's all said and done, uh, Bryce Young will have a better NFL career than all the other guys. Uh, But we'll we'll talk to him about Bryce Young, and then uh, we'll also transition and uh, talk some NBA with Jason Timpf from the volume uh, coming up at 440. So plenty to talk about today. But uh, let's go ahead and dive right into top three headlines heading into today.
0: One. One.
1: Kevin Durant is back. Kevin Durant is back and the Phoenix Suns are playing against the Charlotte Hornets tonight at 5 p.m. We will have the coverage here on ESPN Tucson. So you can listen to KD's debut tonight here on ESPN to Tucson, and uh, this is uh this is really cool, man. This is some exciting stuff because you know the the Phoenix Suns made that trade to get themselves back into the championship picture. It appeared that after they blew a 2-0 lead in the NBA Finals to the Milwaukee Bucks, and then getting absolutely manhandled in Game Seven against the Dallas Mavericks last season, it felt like the the window for guys like Chris Paul, uh, were closing shut or just slam shut, really. Uh, but the Phoenix Suns were able to pull off this trade under new leadership, Matt Ishbia, and on just the first day of being on the job, for him to make this kind of trade, uh, I think is, uh, I think it, it is a really good uh, foreshadow to what's to to come. It because the Phoenix Suns really have not had much luck bringing in the best free agents, making the big trades lately with owner Robert Sarver. But now with Matt Ishbia, they make a trade like Kevin Durant. It shows that Matt Ishbia is in the winning business. And that's exactly what the Phoenix Suns need right now. But putting in a guy like Kevin Durant with the core that they have. Because remember, KD requested that trade from the Brooklyn Nets in the summertime. And the the, the Nets were asking for guys like DeAndre Ayton. Maybe even throw in a Chris Paul uh, and a Cam Johnson and all that. The Phoenix Suns, they acquired Kevin Durant. They didn't have to give up DeAndre. They didn't have to give up Chris Paul. Now, albeit, they did have to send off guys like Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges. And those are two important guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And that's the thing here is when it comes to the Phoenix Suns, who's going to play defense for them? Uh, can you trust Devin Booker? Can you trust Chris Paul? Can you trust uh, you know DeAndre Ayton against Nikola Jokic and Giannis Antetokounmpo? And I think that's why Kevin Durant is. I'm not. I'm not going to say it's a big, huge improvement on the defensive end, but Kevin Durant plays solid enough defense to give you just that little bit of edge. And I mean, my goodness, you have Kevin Durant matching up with Devin Booker. I mean, these are two guys who can go out and combine for really 70 points a night, if you think about it. And I know that you know, people are going to speculate or ask the question, who's going to take the last shot? It's really going to all depend on how the game goes, on the flow of the game. And these are two guys who are so basketball savvy. They love to hoop. They're going to understand you know, who who's going to want to take that last shot, who's going to want to be that guy that steps up. But Kevin Durant is a 34-year-old veteran he is a superstar. Yes, attrition has been an issue with Kevin Durant. He's been, you know, banged up lately. Uh but I think that Kevin Durant what he brings to the Phoenix Suns. I mean, we're talking about this year came back for the Phoenix uh for the Brooklyn Nets, balled out, became an NBA All-Star starter by the Eastern Conference and then he was traded of course, but you know, he showed this year that Kevin Durant is still KD. Uh he came back last uh a couple years ago. And if it wasn't for him having a giant foot and stepping over the three-point line, who knows what the Brooklyn Nets could have done you know, further along in the playoffs. But um, I think that you know Kevin Durant is just such a big, huge addition for the Phoenix Suns. And um, it's going to be the, the, the piece that really gets Phoenix over the hump. And I think it's going to work out well for them. And I'm telling you what, man, I look at the Western Conference. I know that the Denver Nuggets are a really good team. I know that uh, of course, you know you're going to have uh, you know some other teams in the mix. I'm not really buying in on the Memphis Grizzlies because um, I don't know if you heard about the latest development with uh, John ja Morant, but apparently uh, John ja Morant went to a Memphis Mall and had an altercation with a seventeen year old finish line employee and pointed a gun at him. Yeah, go you look look up the story with the latest with John Morant. It's a it's a quite a fascinating story. And of course, this is all coming after uh, that story with the Indiana Pacers, where the Pacers uh, were uh, they were encountered with or countered by some members of uh, John Morant's traveling party, and a, a laser was was pointed at them, and they said, no, that's a gun. They were actually feel fearful for their lives. And, you know, we, we wondered, like, why is John Morant hanging around with, with the wrong people? He needs to, you know, get some better friends. And now you have this story coming out with uh, John Morant getting into it with a 17-year-old finish line employee at a Memphis ball. Uh, and this story uh, was originally reported by the Washington Post. It's a, it's a strange story. Uh, it, it really is. But, you know, John Morant's a really great player and the Memphis Grizzlies are among the top Western Conference teams, but there's there seems to be no guidance with the Memphis Grizzlies. You have these incidents with your star player in John Morant. You have Dylan Brooks, who seems to can't really uh, keep his hands to himself, and he's, you know, punching people where the sun don't shine. That's why he got in that incident with Donovan Mitchell. And it, there seems to be just way too much unnecessary drama for a franchise that really hasn't done anything. They haven't won anything, and yet they're causing this much drama in the NBA, really. And and that's why I'm saying. I look at the Western Conference, and I look at the Grizzlies. I don't really trust them. I really don't. The Sacramento Kings, we'll see what they can continue to do. But I think that the West is wide open. The Denver Nuggets are a really good team. Nikola Jokic is probably going to be uh the, the league's MVP again and rightfully so all right I don't I don't buy into the the narrative that Nikola Jokic is stat padding. Uh and they, they compare it to Russell Wil uh Russell Westbrook. I almost said Russell Wilson. Uh Russell Westbrook. But Russell Westbrook, I mean he had to be the Mr. Triple Double in order for Oklahoma City to be the number six seed in the West and squeak into the playoffs. Nikola Jokic, when he gets a triple double I mean look at this in the last uh, 28 games the Denver Nuggets are 28 and 0 when Nikola Jokic gets a triple double. So not only is he putting up these insane stats but they're winning and at the end of the, at the end of the day that's what it's all about is winning and that's why the Denver Nuggets are the number 1 seed in the Western Conference. So I don't buy into the whole stat padding thing. Nikola Jokic is just a savvy player who makes all of the right plays. You know, Russell Westbrook, when he was playing, he was a very electrifying player who was very exciting, would make the right plays a lot of times, but, of course, would also make a bunch of silly turnovers. And, you know, we saw that with the Lakers era when he started to kind of lose his speed a little bit, lose a little bit of his athleticism. But even though he lost that, the turnovers uh, weren't lost. So... Um, you look at the turnovers, Nikola Jokic isn't putting up as many turnovers as Russell Westbrook, but I'm not going to discredit Russell Westbrook's brilliance. I thought he deserved to win MVP that year. He won it, and I think that Nikola Jokic, the level that he's playing at right now, we certainly have to appreciate it, and the Denver Nuggets are certainly paying off for it. But it's a it's a good time to be an NBA fan, uh, unless you're a Lakers fan, uh, because uh, – I'm not really optimistic. No Anthony Davis tonight. They're playing the Oklahoma City Thunder. So no A.D. tonight. No LeBron James for the next couple of weeks. D'Angelo Russell's out as well. I Here, Ollie and I were kind of like high-fiving each other like, oh, man, we actually got a squad now. And then here we are talking about them being injured. And, you know, these are the most important, you know, 20 or so games uh, for the Lakers because they, they got to squeak into the playoffs. And... It's not looking good. It's not looking good. But I will tell you what, for the Phoenix Suns, for the Phoenix Suns, life is certainly looking good. Looking good for them, and uh, we'll see Kevin Durant make his debut tonight when they play the Charlotte Hornets at 5 p.m. out there in Charlotte. All right, let's go to headline number two. Two, two. All right, so our second headline for today. This is a uh, a crazy, crazy story regarding the NFL draft. Uh, Jalen Carter. Former Georgia star defensive lineman who could go number one overall, quite frankly. I mean, this guy's a bona fide top three, top five prospect, might even go number one. Uh, he is the real deal. Uh, however, he's facing some some serious charges. Um, he has been charged with reckless driving and racing uh, for his connection with the crash in January that killed his teammate and a staff member of the Bulldogs uh Devin Willock the offensive lineman for the Bulldogs and uh Chandler Lacroix she's a 24-year-old uh recruiting staff member for the Georgia Bulldogs uh they were killed in a car crash and Jalen Carter um ha- uh it has an, a warrant for his arrest by Ath- Athens Clark County Police Department and it alleges that Carter was racing his 2021 Jeep Tra- Trackhawk against a, a Ford Expedition that was driven by Chandler LaCro- Lacroix. And so uh, Jalen Carter was present at the car crash, and uh, it's just a very unfortunate situation because now you look at this this situation, you you start to put the pu- the pieces together. And Jalen Carter was, was racing them. And this uh, dumb decision, this street racing move by them, uh, led to two people losing their lives. And it's just it's just so sad because not only are two people losing their lives, but this dumb decision by this young man, I mean, it, it's certainly going to cost him, right? Because, you know, he was so close to obtaining his dream of playing in the NFL. Now, I'm not going to rule out him playing in the NFL. As a matter of fact, I mean, you look at the NFL's history of just the 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 people they've allowed to play in the NFL. I don't need to go down the whole laundry list. You you guys can figure it out. But in the NFL draft, are, are is a team really going to take him number one overall? Is a team going to take him top five overall? Are they going to... You know, spending their money on this guy. Because guess what? I mean, you look at these charges and he might face some jail time. You know, I, I'm not sure how long the jail time is going to be or how long he's going to be away from football. But uh, I don't really think any team's going to waste a, a draft pick on this guy. Um, maybe we'll see. I don't know. But um, I, I think that this guy really hurt his future, uh, really hurt his uh, immediate career. I mean, he could have made a lot of money. Uh, in his first few years in the NFL. But he's a really good defensive lineman. Uh, he is a, a, a stud uh, playing for Georgia's stout defense. And I think that uh, eventually he will find a way into the NFL. Uh, but, all right, we'll 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 talk actually more about the details of this coming up at the end of the 3 o'clock hour. Uh, let's go to headline number three. 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 All right, uh, so Jonathan Gannon, the new Arizona Cardinals head coach uh he was talking about uh how you know he could have you know uh the, you know the guys could have executed better in the the second half of the Super Bowl and he was uh, talking at i think it was like the NFL draft combine and uh former Eagles safety CJ C. J. Gardner-Johnson uh he called out Jonathan Gannon and a since deleted tweet says man you could have uh, put us in better position to win and so CJ Gardner-Johnson did not hold back he said Pretty much say, hey, you're our defensive coordinator. Uh, why didn't you help us uh, fix whatever the Chiefs were throwing at us? Because, uh, yeah, we gave up 24 points, 212 yards, and uh, we were up by 10 at halftime. We had that game in the bag. Kansas City, Andy Reid and company, they made the proper adjustments. And meanwhile, the Philadelphia Eagles didn't do a damn thing. And that's what's the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. All right, coming up next on Spears and Ali, let's uh, hear from Trevor Werbelow. He's a PGA Tour golfer. Tucson native. We'll talk to him about the latest happenings with him. Coming up next.
2: Spears. Justin Spears, I like that. And Ali. I want to be entertaining, but I'm not stupid enough to compare myself to Ali. We'll be
0: right back
2: on 1490 AM
0: ESPN Tucson.
1: Spears and Ali. We're doing our show live from the Kuligar Classic at Omni Tucson National Resort on Thursday and Friday from 3 till 6. Listen in for interviews with players and organizers of this great Tucson tradition. And the Spears and Ali Kuligar broadcast is presented by Chicanos Por La Casa. All right, let's talk to our next guest, Trevor Werbelow, Tucson native and PGA Tour golfer. Trevor, thank you for joining us today. How's it going, my man?
2: going great yeah thanks for thanks for having me on oh
1: thank you and uh so how would you describe your first year on the pga tour
2: oh it's been i think it's been it's been really cool i mean it's been a dream come true to kind of be out here and um you know playing against the guys that you know growing up i've looked up to and kind of tried to you know you know take parts of their game and put it into mine and, and learn a lot from them. And, um, so to kind of be able to compete against them is, it's been really cool. I mean, I would say, I'm kind of each week becoming more comfortable. Um, cause I think, you know, when you first, at least when I first got out here last fall, um, you know, there's a lot to learn and, um, you know, sometimes you, it, it, it takes a little while to get comfortable and, um, you know, I'm certainly, I think getting more comfortable, uh, every week that i've been playing out here
1: so was there uh maybe one person or a couple of guys that you were maybe playing next to or maybe just encountered at a tournament and you were like okay this is uh this is the real deal okay i'm playing with some of the best in the world
2: yeah i think uh it actually probably happened last uh summer when i got a exemption to the canadian open um which you know guys like Rory, Justin Thomas, Scotty Scheffler, um Cam Smith, it, it was a phenomenal field and kind of just seeing those guys on the range and um you know walking through the locker rooms and whatnot and, and seeing them was kind of surreal uh and I think that was the first time I was maybe sort of got starstruck I guess by any player that I've I've played against I mean um you know with the Tigers current state and not being that healthy i haven't played a tournament with him yet and so he's kind of the guy i've idolized growing up and so it'd be really cool to you know play in a tournament with him and and uh kind of meet him but uh i would say yeah last last summer kind of you know seeing rory and and some of those top guys was was pretty cool
1: I always wonder, you know, you, you say you idolize Tiger Woods. Was it easy growing up, maybe, to uh, wear Tiger Woods as gear because you could just say it was your own initials, Trevor Warbelow?
2: <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, yeah, I, uh, I definitely kind of played into that. I think a little bit. Um, <laughs> I did have a, a few TW hats, and um, even in college, I uh, tried, uh, you know, convincing our equipment manager to get some more. TW gear, if I had any, you know, to, yeah. to wear that in college. Um, so, yeah, it worked out, and it was kind of a cool thing to always have, I guess, that in common with him.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you're playing in, you know, tournaments. You played at the, the Farmer's Insurance Open and in, in Pebble Beach. You know, as, you know, someone who's, you know, spent your whole life, you know, living for, you know, these kind of moments, what was it like playing in those kind of tournaments?
2: Yeah, it's, it's really cool. Like I said, I mean, obviously playing against, the players that I've kind of looked up and against growing up, but also playing the golf courses that I've grown up watching and, um, you know, kind of dreamed about, you know, one day wanting to play those tournaments and to now be able to do that is, um, yeah, I kind of have to remind myself that it's, it's pretty special and, um, to enjoy it. Obviously, uh, kind of once you get to a tournament each week, you're in grind mode and really, you know, just trying to, trying to prepare and, you know, try and win the tournament, but I think especially as a rookie sort of got to take a step back sometimes and, you know, just remind yourself that it is a really cool experience and something that I've been, um, really dreaming about forever. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, those two places are, are awesome. And really the whole schedule is kind of loaded with really cool golf courses at, at some, um, great destinations too.
1: Have you had a chance to see that uh, docu series on Netflix, Full Swing, and, and what are your thoughts on that?
2: I did, yeah, actually. Uh, I, my wife and I kind of probably watched it over the course of four or five days after it came out. Um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was great. I mean, um, it's cool that I think it. I think it'll certainly bring a lot more fans that. Um, Yeah, maybe a younger generation of fans, but guys people that knew about golf and have maybe played some golf but didn't, you know, really follow it. I think it gives gives the fans some storylines and and players to root for and just kinda a behind the scenes of what the tour life uh is all about. Um but yeah, no, I thought it was I thought it was great. I mean obviously as a golf fan I would have loved if there's even more content and more episodes and it'd be interesting to see kind of all the footage that didn't make the uh that series but um but no I thought it was it was really good
1: in your opinion what was probably the most relatable part of that docuseries for you or episode um that's a good question
2: because they do uh obviously focus on you know some of the top guys and most of the scenes of traveling and whatnot are they're all flying in private jets and and whatnot and um you know so some of those guys are at a different stage in their career than i am but uh yeah i don't know i think maybe just just the grind of uh you know it's there's a lot more that goes into you know playing a tournament every week than maybe the fans see you know when they're just tune in and watch tv there i go you know these guys just you know play 18 holes every day and you know just enjoy themselves and are living the dream and, and it is awesome. It's it's a dream come true, but I think the grind of the traveling every week and playing practice rounds and, you know, there's some long days, uh, you know, when you're practicing and, and um, the tournament days as well. And yeah, I think it just, there's, you know, it's it can kind of take a lot out of you when you're on the road for 25 to 30 weeks out of the year. Um, and so, I, like I said, I think the, the fact that they're all flying private and whatnot in that, in that series maybe is not super relatable to me, but, um, that's certainly a aspect that's once you start winning golf tournaments that, um, makes life a little easier.
1: Trevor Warbelow joining Spears and Ali on ESPN radio. All right, Trevor. Um, so now, uh, I was always wondering, you know, as a PGA tour golfer, you know, do you ever think about traditions of you know winning tournaments like, let's say the Masters, you know? Because I think the the next year you get your own Masters dinner. Have you thought about like what you would put in a Masters dinner or, or something like that?
2: Um, I I have a little bit. Uh, I think it would probably go along the lines of some type of you know surf and turf. Uh, okay. probably a steak and um. I want to say when Tiger won his last one in 2019, he he just looked pretty good. It was like a steak, but then also had like some fish and maybe sushi. Um, So something probably along those lines, uh, I think would, would probably be what I would go with.
1: Okay. And uh, so when are you going to play in the uh, masters? Are you going to be playing this year or when when do you think you'll be able to play?
2: Yeah. I mean, so it's a, it's a tough tournament obviously to get into it's a smaller field than most tournaments and um you know certainly if I play well or or win a tournament uh in the next I guess couple months uh actually it's probably it's five weeks away or whatnot so yeah I mean if I win a tournament or um you know then I, I could get in this year but um yeah it's a tough one to get into especially for rookies um you know, I think you basically have to either be top 50 in the world rankings or kind of have won a tournament in the past past year or obviously have won the Masters prep before. Okay. Um, so currently I, I'm not in the field. Um, like I said, I'd have to play well. But, I, um, you know, that's something that is, is my favorite tournament watching growing up and um, would be the, the one. If I could only play one tournament the rest of my life, it would be the Masters. So, um, yeah, it's a huge goal to you know, if I'm not there this year, then certainly hopefully I I can get into the tournament um, next year.
1: And the last time we actually spoke to you, Trevor, uh, you were very firm on making sure that you were going to go all in on the PGA Tour, and you obviously uh, were critical of the Live Golf Tour. Uh, But what do you make of Live and PGA Tour kind of coexisting in the majors moving forward?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I still kind of hold the same stance where i i'm not a fan of of live golf just the the product and from an entertainment value and for fans and just the the future of the game I, I don't think it's good um for golf and so uh you know i think maybe selfishly i would have liked to see the the majors not allow the live golfers to play but i certainly can understand from their perspective and even the fans perspective it's um you know the majors they want the best players in the world and um there's certainly still some some big names that are you know on the live tour um and so for them they they want those those players and for a fan i mean obviously yeah you still want to see um some of those players playing so i get that um but yeah i, I hope yeah like I said, I, I'm just not um, yeah. not a fan of, of kind of the, the philosophy behind the Live Tour. Um, so I, I would like to hopefully it doesn't have much success, and hopefully the PGA Tour continues to grow, grow stronger.
1: No doubt. All right, Trevor, real quick, before we let you go, um, what can you tell us about anything that you have coming up? What's the upcoming uh, events that you'll be playing at, and what can you tell us about the immediate future of Trevor Warbelow?
2: yeah so uh currently I'm actually in Puerto Rico right now um so the Puerto Rico open starts tomorrow um so i'm playing playing this week here and then um the next term I'm definitely gonna play is the valspar which is um in two weeks time um in tampa um and then there's i think the the only other tournament I guess that would be uh before the masters that i'm definitely in the field would be the Valero, uh Texas Open in San Antonio. Okay. Um so those are kind of the next three and then obviously the, the better I play, the more tournaments I can get into and some of the, the elevated events and the and the majors and all that um you know comes with, with good play. So uh yeah hopefully can have a, a few good weeks coming up and um yeah maybe be in Augusta in April.
1: Absolutely. Well, we'll be cheering for you down here in Tucson. That is Trevor Werbelow, Tucson native and PGA Tour golfer, joining Spears and Ali on ESPN Radio. Trevor, we always appreciate the time, and best of luck to you out there in Puerto Rico.
2: Thank you, Justin. Appreciate
1: it. Thank you. All right. Don't go anywhere. More Spears and Ali coming up next. What was the saying that I taught you guys last week before I left for LA? It's not about um, the X's and the O's. It's about the Jimmys and the Joes. Perception no. is reality. <laughs> no, gosh, I have consequences. Somebody... <laughs> have uh, actions have consequences? <laughs> I Never salt phone your phone. soup before you taste it. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the spoon? Welcome back to Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson. Huge thanks to uh, Trevor Werbelow, Tucson native, former. South Point Catholic and Arizona Wildcat joining us uh, in the previous segment. And uh, if you missed that interview, it was a good one cuz I I had to ask him about live golf because he's he's a rookie in the PGA Tour right now. Uh but and you know right before he was getting ready for his rookie year or right when he earned his PGA Tour card, um I asked him about live golf because I and mean, you look at the crazy prices that they're, that they're just throwing out and giving out, giving out these golfers, like just to, just to be clear, like it's, it's dirty money, right? Like it's, it's coming from a place where morally it's not good. But I mean, you look at how much they're paying these golfers and I'd be, I'd be lying if I said I wouldn't consider, you know, something like that uh, if if I'm in you know position like uh, let's say an Ian Poulter you know a guy who's in his 40s and he's struggling to make cuts at PGA Tour events for guys like Ian Poulter this is low hanging fruit for him um, but I asked Trevor Werbelow about Live Golf a, a little while back and he was very firm on not joining Live and and he was very critical of it as well. And he kind of doubled down on his stance uh, when I just uh, talked to him a little bit ago. But I will say this, I think live is actually really good for golf uh, because they're the bad guys now. Like, you know, golf really didn't have bad guys, right? It was some, a lot of things that make it such a compelling story is that you have to have a, a good guy and a bad guy. And right now the PGA tour, it looks like, the Gryffindor, and meanwhile, Liv is Slytherin. They're they're the bad guys, right? So this is, to me, it allowing Liv to ha- have the opportunity to still participate in Masters. Um, I think is really good for the sport. I think it will bring some excitement, and people will cheer for their guys, but then they'll also hate on the LIV guys. They'll they'll hate on, you know, the Phil Mickelson's of the world and the Bryson DeChambeau. So, no, I'm I'm all for it, man. And I, and I'm really I'm interested more than anything when LIV Golf comes to Tucson uh in in a couple of weeks. Man, they chose a really terrible time to come to Tucson though. They're coming to Tucson at the height of the NCAA tournament. Like the the first and the second round. You know, people are not going to want to go to Live golf. Like, I I think a lot of people here in Tucson, you know, when they get into March Madness mode, it's like a bug, right? They don't want to go anywhere. They just want to sit in front of their TV. They just want to watch every single game. They would much rather watch – was it St. Peter's go to the Sweet 16 than to go watch Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau play golf. Um, You know, it's just – that's just how Tucson people are. They'd much rather – be locked in on March Madness and and honestly man I get it. I honestly get it. And they'd much rather watch what's uh, going on with the Arizona Wildcats than to go watch Live Golf. So uh when when is that that tournament by the way? Isn't it like March 17th through the 20th or something like that? Yeah, Live, live Golf in Tucson. It's like yeah, right right in a couple of weeks. Yeah, starts on the 17th. So yeah, it's like te- they don't know Tucson at all. Terrible terrible timing to come out to Tucson. Uh but anyways, uh I'm I'm intrigued to see how that's gonna look at Dove Mountain. But uh but anyways, speaking of which, you know, March Madness. today's March 1st. And coming up here very soon, we're gonna be hearing the and it's gonna give you the chills, it's gonna be so exciting, and the tournament is gonna be just an amazing thing. And uh What's going to happen with the Arizona Wildcats? How far do you think this Arizona team is going to go? If you want to call into the show and talk Arizona basketball with us, do you want to talk Azulus Tubelis, 719-1490, 719-1490? Because I certainly want to uh, talk about Azulus Tubelis' Pac-12 Player of the Year bid. uh, Because, you know, he actually leads the conference in points and rebounds per game. And yet for some reason I feel like he's not going to win Pac twelve player of the year because of what's been going on over the last few games. That Stanford game was a big blow to Azulus Tubellus's resume. And you know, he ever since then he's really been so inconsistent and his defense has really taken a nosedive. Like we we never thought that Azulus Tubelus was a bad defender. As, as a matter of fact, we've seen Azulus Tubelas play some pr- pretty solid defense this season against some other notable bigs. Remember you know how Tubelas played against guys like uh, Trace Jackson Davis and other guys this year? Like I thought Azulus Tabelas did a, a g- good job, not just offensively, but overall, that he was Pac-12 Player of the Year, and it was clear-cut. There was no debate. But for some reason, over the last few games. And it's really only the last few games. Defensively, it's like the Monstars came down and took Azulus Tubelis's talents. And defensively he's just been struggling big time. I mean Warren Washington, how many you know, turnaround dunks did he have against Azulus Tubelis? Meanwhile, Zo was just looking kind of silly, falling down trying to defend him. And how many times did Tommy Lloyd take Azulus Tubelis in and out of the game For defensive reasons. He only put in Azulis Tubelis for offense. He took him out on defense because he was a liability. Just swapping Azulis Tubelis in and out, in and out. Like that right there is, uh, to me, is detrimental to his Pac-12 Player of the Year bid. You know, just a little while ago, Azulis Tubelis was a guy that... I I thought was the clear-cut Pac-12 player of the year. There was no question. After he put up 40 points, 40 points against Oregon, I mean, he could have had 50 in that game. I mean, if if you think about it, look at the last six minutes of that game. Azulas Tabelas could have easily had 50 in that game. And you look at also the, I mean, he didn't score his first points until like the 15-minute mark of the first half. So that game right there, to me, I thought was okay, we're going to make Azulas Stubelis the Pac-12 Player of the Year. And then lately, Jaime Jaquez has been really stepping up big time. And meanwhile, Azulas Tubelis has been stepping back. But what do you make of the Pac-12 Player of the Year race? Call in at 719-1490, 719-1490. And would you look at that, the Bruce Wayne of Tucson is calling in. What's up, Ollie? How's it going out there?
0: What's up, buddy? How you doing?
1: Doing good. How's it going?
0: Good. You know, you're talking about the live tour and Azula Stabellas, but you want, you want me to give you the real triple-double for Tucson? What's that? It's the Collegar Classic, man. We are setting up. It's going to be a great tournament. The weather's going to be beautiful Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I hope everybody comes out and enjoys the golf tournament.
1: Well, we're also going to be out there Thursday and Friday for our live broadcast from the 19th hole. And I can't wait because we always have a good time out there and the Conquistadors always do such a great job of taking care of not only us but all the people who attend. Uh, so I'm very excited. Uh, it's one of my favorite Tucson traditions. And uh, you and all your uh, your buddies with the Conquistadors, you guys always do a fantastic job, Ollie.
0: Yeah, you know, thank you, Justin. You we know, we played the pro-amp today, and uh, Christina Baena, completely carried us to uh, a <laughs> 10-under score. So we did pretty good. But it's going to be a little chilly tomorrow, Justin, for me and you. But I think Friday, Saturday, Sunday is going to be really good weather. Uh, The Omni is looking great. And I think it's going to be just an absolutely beautiful weekend for Tucson. So I hope everybody comes out and joins me and you for uh, Pierce and Ali and the uh, Collegar Classics.
1: Ali, I love you, man. I'll see you tomorrow out there at Omni.
0: Love you too, buddy. I'll see you tomorrow.
1: Can't wait for that, man uh I love the the Kuligar Classic and uh you know Bernard Langer is winning and he's like in his 60s right now like Bernard Langer continues to put up unprecedented things going on in the in the in the Champions Tour it's That German engineering I guess it is man I guess that's that's what it is but I got to get on whatever he's on but uh anyways if you want to call into the show 719-1490 719-1490 uh azuis tubelas does he deserve to be pac-12 player of the year you let us know we're taking your phone calls coming up next
2: spears Justin Spears, i like that and ali i want to be entertaining but i'm not stupid enough to compare myself to ali
0: we'll be right back
2: on 1490 am
0: espn tucson
1: what a wonderful phrase all right we got a few minutes left of uh the the first hour of today's spears and ali and uh you know, we were talking about the Pac-12 Player of the Year race. You know, Azul Estabellas, like I said, he leads the conference in rebounding and points. And I think that he deserves to be Pac-12 Player of the Year. But I also understand the case for Jaime Jaquez. Because uh, Jaime Jaquez, I mean, over the last month, has really benefited from Azul Estabellas, you know, taking a step back. Uh, you know, you look at the game against Colorado recently. Jaime Jaquez puts up 17-5. and Utah, 23-5 uh, against Cal. I mean, it is Cal, but 20-8. and eight. Against Stanford, the team that has used to Bells got into foul trouble and didn't really do anything against Jaime Jaquez put up 26-9. And nine. In the game before that against Oregon in Eugene, remember, in Eugene, a game, uh, a, a tough place to play. Arizona doesn't have any success in Eugene, but in a win over the Oregon Ducks, Jaime Jaquez puts up 25 and 12. So over the last five games, uh, Jaime Jaquez has been spectacular for the U- UCLA Bruins, and uh, I think that he's really made a strong case for Pac-12 Player of the Year. And you look at Azulas Dubellas over the last, you know, five games: 17 and 9, 13 and 4, 11 and 9, 4 and 0. And um oh he had a nice little twenty three and fourteen game against the uh Cal Golden Bears. So Jaime Jaquez has certainly had the the best end to the regular season. Um so it it's tough. You know, I think Azulus Tubelis has been the most rock solid player all season long up until the last month or so. But yeah, Jaime Jaquez is is making a strong argument. And that's so disappointing because didn't it seem like as soon as Azulus Tubelis as soon as he scored 40 points against Oregon, we all thought, there's no debate anymore. I mean, shoot, we were trying to debate whether or not Azulus Tubelis could be National Player of the Year. We were like, oh man, people keep wanting to talk about Zach Eady this, Zach Eady that. How about Azulus Tubelis? This guy deserves to give more national respect. We were clamoring for the national respect for Azulus Tubelis, And then he finally got it. They were doing... ESPN halftime analysis of Azulus tubellas during Big Ten and Big Twelve games. Azulus Tabelas started to get the attention, and then right when he got a little bit of a taste of it, all of a sudden the production has been a little bit more mild, right? I mean, he, he's still putting up like last game, 17 and 9 against ASU, but does anybody really remember the 17 points that he scored? Yeah, 17 and 9 on paper is is solid. But is it also good when your coach is subbing you in and out for defensive reasons because you're a defensive liability? And that's the thing is that even though Zulus Tubellas is putting up the numbers that justify him being Pac-12 Player of the Year, the defense as of late has not been up to par. And to me, that's what I think is ultimately going to cost him Pac-12 Player of the Year. I mean, shoot, they've already lost the conference championship. To UCLA. Now they're about to lose Pac 12 player of the year as well. Uh, so that's certainly got to leave a sour taste in Arizona's mouth. But they got this week to kind of right the ship. I mean, if Azulus Tubelas comes out on Saturday and it puts up such a dominant performance against Jaime Haquez in UCLA, then you got to crown Azulus Tubelas Pac 12 player of the year. Now, if Jaime Haquez comes out and does it right to Azulus Tubellis, then you obviously have to crown him. I think it's all going to come down to Saturday's game. Uh you know, UCLA doesn't really have to play for anything, right? They're I mean they're trying to, you know, become a number one seed and they, they want to get that that marquee win to really improve their resume going into the NCAA tournament. But they've already won the conference championship. I think for Zulus Tubelis, this is your time to show that you're that guy that Arizona can trust in March. We all remember how Zulus Tubelis played last year. And so far it's trending not in the right direction. But I think Azulus Tubelis, I think he's capable of turning things around this week. We shall see. Alright, what do you make of Azulus Tubelis? Call in at 719-1490, 719-1490. Hour number two coming up next.